Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It is another edition of Phillies Today. I'm your host, James Seltzer. It is Tuesday, June the 21st, as we come off a nice, relaxing off day. How about it? What would have thought? It was a uh, it was a relaxing day yesterday, and it is funny to sit there on an off night and not have a Phillies baseball game and not feel bad about the Phillies. To actually think, you know what? It's an earned off day. It's a nice off day where our team's four games above 500 and playing good baseball, and we could just, you know, take the night off and not stress. It was a it was a relaxing evening as a Phillies fan, which has not been something that we've experienced too often over the last few seasons. So, nice relaxing off night back at it tonight in Texas. The Phillies back at it. It's time for some revenge as Texas came into Citizens Bank Park and swept the two-game series earlier this season. Time to go to Texas and return the favor as the Phillies head into Texas with the better record, the better baseball team, and they should be able to handle business in Texas before going out west to San Diego to face the Padres. The Padres have been playing great baseball this year. Manny Machado out. Uh, we'll see how long he's out for. He will not need an IL stint, they're saying. So theoretically, I guess it is possible Machado could play this weekend. We'll see. Um, has the the ankle injury. But if he's not going on the IL, you know, figure it can't be that much past 10 days, right? Or else they just put him on the IL. So should be fascinating to see if they get Machado back for this series at all. Obviously, Machado has been having a monster season for the Padres, one of the Legit MVP candidates in the National League this season, along with Bryce Harper, obviously, on the other side of the field. And we hope that Harper's blister allows him to be good to go this week. We have not heard any updates on that, but you would assume that with the off day and, of course, the Saturday and Sunday off, that Harper should hopefully be good to go for tonight in Texas as the Phillies get back at it, try and keep this train rolling. The Phillies have been playing some good baseball. You know, 15-3 and in June. Obviously, we're coming off the loss in the last one, but you can't win them all. (laughs) That is uh, both a statement of of fact and a a cliche for a reason, as they say. Um, But it will be nice to see the Phillies back in action. It is funny to think about how, um, you know, how into uh, the night-to-night of it all, it is, and then uh, and then you get a night off, and then you know you're rejuvenated and ready to watch the Phillies play baseball. I cannot wa- I cannot wait to watch the Phillies back in action tonight. Uh, a few things to get into today. I want to take a quick look at the stats for the team, discuss kind of where this team is at from a needs perspective, 
heading into uh, you know essentially the last month before the trade deadline. We're a month and ten days away from the major league trade deadline. It's this Phillies team if they continue to play good baseball. We'll look at the schedule, which should allow them to play good baseball. You know, we're going to be setting up for a really interesting stretch run here and a, a stretch run where they, they will have to add. They will have to make this team better. So we'll go through some of the things with the team. But let's start on the offensive side. I think that, you know, for the most part, when we talk about fixing the team, we're far more concerned about fixing the pitching side of things. Obviously, the bullpen chief, foremost, tops among that, um, as obviously that has been the biggest problem with this team so far this season. But, you know, there are other issues the starting pitching. The depth there, obviously, the Eflin injury. We'll see how that shakes out. We'll get to all that. Let's start on the offensive side of things where, you know, I think for the most part, we're starting to feel pretty good about where this team is landing from an offensive perspective. But there still is upside for this team, and there still are question marks. You know, obviously, I think the biggest... You feel great about Harper. Harper's sitting there with a 10-13 OPS on the season, 622 slugging. The dude is batting 326 on the season. Bryce Harper's batting 326. 326 on the season. Truly amazing what that guy does on a night-to-night basis. The the pure consistency as a hitter that we're seeing out of Bryce Harper really for the last season and a half has been really miraculous to watch. I think you feel good about Schwarber, obviously, with his June. Now, the average is still down at 213 for the season, but the on-base is up to 343. The OPS is second-best on the team at 826. So I think you're starting to feel, outside of Garrett Stubbs, who, of course, has a you know over 1,000 OPS, but not as many impacts. Um, but you know, nice to see him get going. Reese has got his OPS over 800, finally. The average, Reese Hoskins, don't look now, Reese Hoskins is batting 252 feels like yesterday was batting 210, right? So, you know, things are improving in certain spots. And from a power perspective, obviously, those guys have been massive for this team. Schwarber leads the team with 18 homers, Harper with 15, and Hoskins with 13. Now, outside of those guys, you've gotten production from guys down the lineup, which has been nice. You know, you've gotten moments from Garrett Stubbs. Garrett Stubbs has just been awesome, period. Dude's batting 317, but obviously a very small sample size comparatively. We've got moments from Stubbsy. You've gotten uh, clutch hits from Alec Bohm. Bohm's average is down to 252, and the the OPS is 639. All of a sudden, Bohm not hitting great, um, but he's gotten some clutch hits, and you know you hope that he figures it out. I'd like to see him lift the ball a little bit, a little pop from Alec would really change his profile as a hitter and make him a much more dangerous hitter, but... Um, you know, Bohm has been solid, not great, but solid. But, you know, you hope some guys are, are ready to turn around. You know, uh, Nick Castellanos looks like he's starting to turn around a little bit. You know, averages at 253, obviously far from good enough. Oduval had been hot, is now on a cold streak. His OPS has dropped 100 points over the last couple weeks. He's down to 717 from an OPS perspective. Didi's been very good offensively, 280 average, but not much pop. The 393 slugging is Pretty ugly. 345 OBP for for DD is nice though. You know, actually getting some walks, getting on base, but obviously the power not there. Um, and you know you have gotten contributions, but overall struggles from like Stott has had some big, big, big hits, but has for the most part struggled batting 163 on the season. Camargo coming back will really help that rotation there. Um, Jairo Munez has uh, come through with a couple big home runs, but you know, getting Camargo back there, getting Maton back eventually, obviously Segura down the road will really help this team. You know, I think when you really look at it, 
you know, Cassianos, we just mentioned, he's a guy who has to be better, and, and I, I think will be better. I'm not concerned about Nick Cassianos. The dude has just hit so consistently over the course of his career, has been so much better than this over the course of his career that I just, I believe he will figure it out. You know, new team, new situation. I get it. You know, if you go back through his back of the baseball card numbers, you know, he'll be better than this. You know, this is a guy who had a 939 OPS last year. You know, in, in 2019, he had a 863 OPS. In 2018, he had an 854 OPS. You know, this is not what we're seeing now. And then 2020 wasn't great, 784, but that was a weird year for a lot of people. Um, I have all the faith in the world that Castellanos will figure it out and he'll start hitting. And he's going to go through a hot streak and he's going to carry the team for a bit and it's going to be fine. The other guy. The one we've talked about the most, obviously, as a problem, is JT Romito. JT, right now on the season, is batting 240 with a 321 OBP and a 350 slugging, a 671 OPS. That is abysmal. It's really bad. And that's the thing, you know, it's kind of, um, you know, Jack, my buddy Jack Fretz likes to bring this up a lot, but the idea that, you know, you can point to certain numbers in baseball, certain statistics, F4, and, and you know, some of these advanced things to say that JT is still one of the best catchers in baseball, and he, and he might be, you know, it's more a, a um, you know, a, an indictment of the level of talent at that position in Major League Baseball right now, but the thing with JT is that even if he's, you know, playing among the best catchers in baseball, he is being paid to be the best catcher in baseball by a mile, like, we're talking about the other guys who are contending to be, quote-unquote, the best catcher in baseball this year, making, you know, a million, two million, five million a year, or whatever. JT's making $23.5 million. And he's got three more years on top of that after this. That's the issue with JT Romuto. It's not just that he has been a massive disappointment, which he has. Like, I'm sorry. He's 671 OPS or whatever is not close to good enough. I don't care what any metric says. I don't care what F4 says. It's not close to good enough. And look, we watch the dude every night. He has not been the same defensive um, piece, the same defensive force that he has been in the past. I'm sorry. Like, he, the other night when he just stabbed at that ball when it went by him and didn't even try and get his body in front of it, it's almost like he doesn't even put in the same effort defensively. And I know that he does, but... You know, he is not the same defensive player. He is not the you know, best coacher in baseball every time throwing guys out and, and making great defensive plays. Like, we have not seen that. We have not. JT Romuto right now, considering the money he's getting, is a bad baseball player. And he's not a bad baseball player, but when you average out the money he's getting versus what he's producing, he is a massive gigantic detriment to your baseball team. The biggest on this team right now in terms of the money they're getting versus the production they're giving. The biggest. He makes more than Castellanos. He makes more than Schwarber. He's the second highest paid guy on the team in terms of average annual value. He makes more than Zach Wheeler. He makes more than all these guys. And what we're seeing is beyond unacceptable for the price. So JT is my biggest concern from an offensive perspective. I believe in Castellanos. I believe a lot of these guys are figuring it out. We'll figure it out. I believe they'll be better when certain guys come back. And if they have to supplement, they'll supplement. I do think, you know, in a, in a trade where maybe you get a reliever and a center fielder. Who knows? But I think they'll be okay offensively. JT, though, 
super concerned for the now and for the future. Like, I would play Garrett Stubbs more. I just would. You know, I, I know it's a small sample size, and if you play Stubbs all the time, he'll get exposed and all that. Like, I get that. But for right now, he's better than JT. He's playing better. He's producing more. He's calling games better. Like, it's pretty simple to me right now is I would play Stubbs more. I know you got to play JT. You're paying him all that. But but I would play Stubbs more. I would. I would give Stubbs at least a couple games a week at this point, and that's obviously not happening. But one way or the other, I think it's very fair to be super-duper concerned about JT Romito on the pitching side of things. And this is where... I think ultimately if you're going to see the team, which I do think they will add, if they continue to stay in it and play good baseball, they will add to this team they are in for this season. I do believe that. You know, I think the bullpen is the clearest spot to add. But you know, you could make an argument that the, the rotation, the starting rotation, is in need of a little help too. You know, Nolan Wheeler have just been brilliant. Uh, 2.69 ERA for Wheeler, a 3.11 ERA for, for Nola. Both guys have been just utterly dominant. I mean, Nola... Nola has 99 strikeouts in 89 innings to only 11 walks. 99 to 11. A 9 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio from Nola is phenomenal. That is brilliant. It is so high level. So impressed with what Aaron Nola has done this year. And I really do feel confident when he takes the hill, which is a unique feeling these uh, last few years. But I really do. And and Wheeler, obviously you do. Um, Gibby has been exactly what you want Kyle Gibson to be. 404 ERA, 4 and 2. I'll take it. You know, he's had a couple bad outings but mostly good ones. You know, I think those couple bad outings have, have raised the ERA a bit, but for the most part, you know, if Gibson takes the hill, I feel like you're getting six innings, three runs and you can you can go to war with that. You can compete with that. So, you know, Gibby's giving you everything he, he can. Eflin and Suarez, that's where you run into the questions. Now, Eflin, you know, is coming off a couple bad outings um has been better than the numbers would say, the 4-4-3 RA. Funny enough, both Suarez and Eflin have a 4-4-3 RA. Um, the Eflin thing, I think it's, you know, the injury had clearly hampered him a bit there, the ankle thing. Um, we'll see. It seems like it's always something with Eflin, with this type of thing, the heavy body, the this, that. Um, you know, you hope he can just kind of work through this and get back because when Eflin's on, he's good. He's a very nice pitcher to have on your team. He's not great, but he's a, a good major league pitcher. He's someone who can go out and give you a seven with 12 strikeouts against the Dodgers. You know, he's someone who can go out and give you a shutout on a given day and all that, um, as we've seen him do this season. So um, the Eflin one is a, is a concern because the the consistency, the frequency with, with the, which these little type of things keep him out or keep him from producing at a high level. Um We'll see, though. I, I believe in Eflin talent-wise. Ranger, you know, we've talked a lot about Ranger. You know, he's just, he, the control's not there. He just hasn't been able to kind of put it all together this season. Um, I have hope for him. I still think he can figure it out and get back to being an effective starter. But, you know, the the those two guys, and between Rangers and effectiveness and Eflin's, you know, maladies, it does kind of bring into focus the thought that, you know what, maybe the Phillies should be looking for a starter first and foremost. Now, I think they absolutely have to add to the bullpen. I think you can argue that a real true bullpen piece is clearly the most important need on this team. But I I could definitely argue that a starting pitcher is more important, especially if you're going to get someone who is closer to the Wheeler-Nola level than the Eflin-Suarez level. You know, if you're going to go out and add a Frankie Montas or a you know one of these guys on a bad team who might you know, shake themselves available. Um, you know, I think it could be a big difference maker. You know, I mean, we've seen 
Teams win the World Series with great starting pitching. The Nationals did it just a few years ago. Go get three dynamite starters and go win the World Series. You know, that can happen. Some timely hits and some bullpen pieces. But, um, you know, I think you can make a strong argument that, that training for a starting pitcher might actually be more important for this team right now. And starting pitcher is more valuable now. It'll cost more. There's a lot of, you know, angles to this thing. I think ideally what, what would be best is if they can try and put together a package where they go get a reliever and a starter in the same deal and you know uh you know that type of move something where they can solve both problems at once i think is something they'll be looking to do and again the bullpen look you know they they have to add here they have to as um i mean knable's been a disaster lately you have no faith in him sir anthony's the only guy you feel good about familia's been awful hand you like but not as good as the numbers show brogdon you feel good about that's about it you know everyone else is Take it or leave it, man. Take it or leave it with every single other guy. And there aren't a ton of guys come up. And, you know, when you talk about the starting rotation versus the bullpen, I mean, Bailey Falter obviously started a game over the weekend. It's Falter and Christopher Sanchez, I guess, on the 40-man roster. The only guys who can, like, start games for you aren't just pure openers. So, you know, they're, they're, they're not deep in that spot. And then you think about the pen, and, you know, they, they have to add someone there. They just, they just don't have enough guys you can count on. And even if Knable figures it out and gets back to being Corey Knable, I'm still concerned about the pen. I, I feel good about, I feel great about Sir Anthony. I feel good about Brogdon. I feel okay about Hand. And that's kind of where I'm at. And, you know, if we're talking October, <laughs> October bullpen, I mean, come on, you got you to do better than that. You got to. Um, so I think the Phillies are in an inter- interesting spot here as they do have some definitive needs um, in these spots. Um and I do think they will be willing to go out and make moves. The question is, you know, are they willing to, to move a Mick Abel? Are they willing to move some of their higher level type prospect guys? Because, you know, they don't have a massive amount of those type of guys. So, so you know, I think as we as we hurdle our way towards the, uh, the upcoming trade deadline on July 31st and um, kind of make our way there, I do think that... Um, Pitching across the board is going to be the number one thing this team is looking for. But I, I think that there's, you know, depending on how the rest of this season shakes out here, there there could be a real argument that they need to go get a starter before they need to go get a reliever, which is fascinating. And again, I think you can make an argument. It could go, it could go either way. It could go multiple ways here. But I think, you know, if you're ranking the team's needs, which, you know, I think might have been different a month ago, but I think it go, It still goes for me, relief pitcher one, starting pitcher two, center fielder three. Um, but, you know, starting pitcher's gaining on relief pitcher. You know, there's not depth there. There are question marks. And, you know, think about if you do make the playoffs and you have a three-game series or and, you know, you win that, you get a seven-game series. You know, do you want Zach Eflin starting the third game of the playoff series? Do you want Kyle Gibson starting the fourth game of the playoff series, you know? You'd rather go out and get somebody. I mean, because Wheeler and Nola can, can win a series. Like, those guys are good enough to go out and dominate on a night-to-night basis. I mean, granted, Aaron Nola has to be good in September, much less October for us to really believe in that. But, you know, the, the talent is there. If they added another dude, a Montas, uh, you know, that, that type of arm that they could fold into that, man, you know, all of a sudden it's it's a, a really interesting matchup for the Phillies. And all of a sudden they're a really interesting baseball team with those top three big arms. Um, it could be impressive. So it's going to be fascinating to see how that shakes out. Obviously, we'll continue to talk about it and, and track the rumors once they really start to come out as, um, you know, we make our way to 
the trade deadline and ultimately, um, hopefully, a playoff spot for the Phillies. Speaking of which, looking at the standings, the Phillies uh, lose a half game last night on both fronts as uh, wins from the Braves and the Mets. The Phillies now three back of the Braves, eight and a half back of the Mets as they sit. Um, Luckily, the Giants did lose last night, so while they lost a half game on the Braves, they gained a game or a half game on the Giants. The Phillies now two out of a playoff spot, uh, as the Cardinals are a half game out of a playoff spot. They are right behind the Brewers there um, for that division lead, those two battling it out for that, obviously. And the Phillies two games back of the Giants, three back of the Dodgers. The Padres are uh, five and a half up on the Phillies at 42 and 27 for that first wild card spot. Quick look around the rest of baseball. Uh, Yankees still dominating the sport, 50-17 and 17 on the year. A 12-game lead on the Toronto Blue Jays, who are 38-29. and 29. Pretty astounding. Again, still four teams. There are four teams in the uh, American League East who have a better record than the Phillies as the Rays are in fourth place at 36-31. and 31. Now, just be- barely better, half game better, but still pretty wild. Uh, Central, the Twins saw in front, the Indians round their heels, and the White Sox four and a half back, so we'll see if they can gain ground. The White Sox, the massive favorite in that division, start the year. The Houston Astros uh, basically have won the AOS. <laughs> They're on their way. They are a 10-game lead over the Angels. And the Rangers, who are 31 and 35, still in it, I suppose. Uh, NL West, the Dodgers and, and Padres tied right now. The Dodgers percentage points ahead of the Padres at 40 and 25. The Padres at 42 and 27. Um, so with games in hand, four games in hand, that's a lot of games to have in hand right now. Um, as the Dodgers, you know, have the slight, slightly, but essentially tied for the wild card slash the NOS, the Giants three and a half games back of them. Um, and then the central, the Brewers one game up on the Cardinals. As again, we know those teams are both a game and a half and and two up on the Phillies. So it really muddled here. We've talked a lot about it, but it is going to be eight teams for six spots. That is how it's going to play out. The Giants, the Padres, the Dodgers, the Cardinals, the Brewers, the Phillies, the Braves, the Mets. Six of those teams will be playoff teams. Flat out. That's the way it's going to play out. You know, you never know. A team can make a run. Uh, you know, and that's the thing. They're all bad. I don't know who would. I mean, the Marlins are probably the best of the rest. I mean, no one's making a run. The, the Diamondbacks maybe are the best of the rest. Um, so it's really going to be six teams for eight spots, which which is um, is frustrating in a way because it, it is going to raise that level of it. You know, as we're kind of looking at how this is playing out right now, the Phillies are two and a half out and they're four games up. You know, it really does look like it's going to be an 88, 89, 90 type win threshold to get into the playoffs in the National League. And that is, you know, especially adding the extra wild card team this year, that is surprising. That That's an impressive number to, to reach to make the playoffs um, as a wild card. Very impressive number. So, um, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see how this all shakes out, and, and if the Phillies can kind of keep pace, because it is a shame. You know, it's too bad that, you know, last year we'd be like, oh, the Phillies are going to make the playoffs for sure. This year it's less less obvious. So the Phillies are going to have to play good baseball. They're going to have to continue to win games. They're going to have to continue on the path that they've charted in June. 15-3 and three in June. 15 wins in June and still... Uh, nine games left to play in June, or eight games, yeah, nine games. That's pretty wild when you think about it. So the, the nine games left in June, two against Texas starting tonight. Kyle Gibson takes the hill against his former team against Martin Perez, who has been amazing, uh, you know, all-star level pitcher for the Rangers this year. So it's a tough matchup in that one. Then tomorrow, 405, Zach Wheeler versus John Gray. You feel good about that one as uh, Wheeler 
Absolutely the better pitcher in that match. And Wheeler obviously has been super locked in. Then we go out to the West Coast for a four-gamer against San Diego. As it looks like it's going to be Suarez, Nola, Eflin Gibson, or that Eflin's back could be Falter. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, as far as the Padres side of things, you're getting Mackenzie Gore, their awesome rookie pitcher, Nick's, Nick, who's coming off a bad start for what it's worth, though. Nick Martinez, Blake Snell, you Darvish. So, you know, obviously you're getting four of their guys. And then an off day, and then we come home to round out the month of June with a three-gamer against the Braves. And then, who is that team that's a half-game up on them? Oh, three-gamer against the Cardinals. So next week is massive. Three against the Braves. Three against the Cardinals as we head into July 4th. Weekend flees off on July 4th. Then three at home against Washington. Four in Seattle. Two in Toronto. Three in Miami before the All-Star break. So it is a tough little stretch here. You know, after the All-Star break, it gets way better. You know, it's the Pirates and the Cubs and more of the Nationals and a lot of stuff. Um, but, you know, it's still a tough little stretch here. They got the Rangers, and then it's um, it ain't easy to finish out. You get six against the uh, Nationals and the Marlins, but then... You know, a combined four against the Padres, three against the Braves, three against the Cardinals, four against the Cardinals, then two against Toronto. That is 16 tough games left before the All-Star break. So it's going to be fascinating. That's why these ones tonight and in, in, tonight and tomorrow in Texas are so important. you got to get their revenge. you got to take care of the Rangers. So let's see what happens. Kyle Gibson against his former team tonight, a big one. Need a victory after the off day. Let's get rolling, get back in the winning track of things, and hopefully they can handle business. Either way, whatever happens, we'll be back to talk about it tomorrow. So until then, thank you for listening to another edition of Phillies Today right here on the Phillies 24-7 Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 